The swamp without a still is just a tent. A martini without olives doesn't quite make it. And Mash Minute is intended for mature audiences. Put on your headphones. Listen for the tone of your favorite podcast, Mash Minute. Well, it's a minute-by-minute detailed analysis. Of the movie without which the series wouldn't exist. Megan and Tierney, and guest will make three. Goddamn Army, MASH Minute. Welcome back to MASH Minute, where we analyze the 1970 Robert Altman film one minute at a time. I'm Megan Coleman. I'm Tierney, bless this Jeep Steel. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm Pete on my way to Ethiopia. So close, so close. <laughs> it's actually the prince from Sleeping Beauty that's on its way to Ethiopia, but we'll get there. Okay, okay. <laughs> that was a journey. Okay, this is minute 115. We're so close to the end of this movie. Like, please bear with us. This is minute 115, which begins with Father Mulcahy blessing a Jeep, and it ends with Hawkeye driving himself and Duke out of camp as the loudspeaker advertises tonight's movie. Woo-hoo. It's time to get meta, guys. Not, not yet. Let's first bless this Jeep. So this is the real prayer for military chaplains blessing Jeeps. That's funny. Isn't this amazing? Okay, so the reason this is in the movie is that they got a little book of prayers for military chaplains and they handed it to Rene Abergenois and said, here you go. Here's your little book of prayers. And he like was flipping through it every so often, you know, but a lot of time on set. He got some downtime and he found a prayer for blood. He's like, there were so many weird prayers in here. It was amazing. We were all fascinated by it. And they found this prayer for blessing a Jeep. And Altman was like, well, we got to do this. (laughs) (laughs) We have a Jeep. (laughs) We can just. So I'm guessing that originally this was scripted of, you know, they say goodbye in the tent. And then you see them, you know, the the goodbye, the part where they're loading their stuff into the Jeep and then they drive off. Mm -hmm. But this whole little aside of Mokay blessing the Jeep is because they found how to bless a Jeep and everyone loved it. (laughs) I mean, let's be fair. Why wouldn't you? (laughs) Guarded from every danger and as you granted faith and grace by your deacon Philip to the man from Ethiopia. Oh, I'm sorry. (laughs) Philip isn't going to Ethiopia. It's the man from Ethiopia. (laughs) That's true. I think Philip was going to Gaza. Who was sitting in his chariot and reading Holy Scripture. (laughs) Oh. See, I think think it's interesting because this is actually from the book of Acts. And Philip meets this guy, this chariot driver, and converts him to Christianity. And then Philip baptizes him and Philip disappears. But it seems like this is sort of like the movie. It's like these guys show up, you know, for a short period of time. And then, you know, Father Mulcahy blesses them and then they start a new life and they're back. You know, it's never going to be the same again. That's awesome. (laughs) But I wondered, like, does Father Mulcahy, what does he think about all these guys? Like, does he think, oh, these are just good guys? Or is he, like, really concerned about everybody's souls? Or is he, he seems very good natured, but I I wonder what he thinks is going to happen with all these guys. I have found priests to be very good at hoping for the best for people while simultaneously being very concerned about their souls. Yeah. It's weird because it should seem it shouldn't seem like you could be like that person's probably going to hell. <laughs> and that person's just a good guy doing the best they can at the yeah. same time. Like those are yeah. two con- but in a priest they seem not to be. <laughs> mhm. 
I mean, I I don't know that many priests, but that is a very familiar like, okay, Mm -hmm. this is going to think the best of everybody, even though I know the worst of everybody. (laughs) Maybe that's it. (laughs) Maybe seeing the absolute dregs of humanity just makes you be like, they're fine. (laughs) They're fine. We're all just doing the best we can, guys. Do you think most of these guys are going to go home and just pick up their old lives where they left off? Or do you think they're all going to be completely transformed by this experience and not be able to fit back into their old lives? Like I, I Duke, I can kind of see fitting back into his old life, but I feel like maybe Hawkeye would have a little more trouble doing that. Well, and I, that's why I'm glad we don't get the finale of Hawkeye yeah, yeah, meeting his family at the airport because the implication and the implication of the book is certainly just like, and then they went home. Uh-huh. The oh, with, yeah. It was all fine, right? Cool. <laughs> oh, we like getting money? Here's a sequel series that <laughs> is going to make you shake your head. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and we'll get so bad, the original author's going to come back and write, <laughs> write an F you tome about it. You know, it's all good. Uh, yeah. Oh. You know, I may not agree with a lot of what Hornberger Richard Hooker wrote in the F you tome, which is the only way I will refer to it from now on. Thank you, Megan. <laughs> You're welcome. But I respect his right to write it like if if you hated what had become of your characters as much as he did <laughs> you do you you write i just love the idea of someone writing do you know how hard it is to write a book the idea of writing a book just to spite someone is beautiful to me <laughs> yeah so i i happen to like what they did with a lot of the characters in the show but you do you, Richard Hooker. <laughs> the implication is definitely that these guys just go home. Huh. But it's funny because, you know, you mentioned you watched the TV show. Those people did not just go home. There's no way. They went back totally different. Yeah. That's the mm. entire point of goodbye, farewell, and amen. Yeah. yeah. And the weird readjustment that people would have to do. And I think it's because, I, I think it's the difference between making a movie in ni- the spring of 1969 and... 1983. I think people realized that, oh no, guys don't just come home. I think the stereotype was, well, guys come home and they go back to their lives that they had before the war. Isn't it great? And and that's why, oh God, what's the movie? It's not, it's a wonderful life, but it's the best years of our lives. So acclaimed because it doesn't do that. But it's the only one. The reason it stands out is because everything else does just kind of be like, well, that's fine now. (laughs) <laughs> or it ends like this. It just ends so quickly that you don't have a chance to find out that it's not okay sometimes. Yeah. And I think by the time they're scripting Goodbye, Farewell, Amen in the 80s, you've been through the whole... John Kerry's a politician by then. I mean, like, people knew. Like, And I shouldn't say people knew. Society no longer pretended that that didn't happen. But I think when Altman was making this film you didn't i mean he was a world war ii vet and the assumption was well you would come home and resume your life and he probably knew that that didn't happen but like from a storytelling perspective that's what you did Mm -hmm. what i really love and you know what i'll oh shoot i don't have in front of me but he was I forget if it was an interview or the director's commentary, which is why I can't pull it up that quickly. He was saying that he liked that the movie didn't end. It just kind of faded away. Mm -hmm. And that's what he was going for. And and people latch onto that as part of the anti-Vietnam message. 
Like, it doesn't end. Mm -hmm. Just these guys went home. We're still going. Trapper's still in the swamp. Volmer's still giving them their orders and getting drivers for Jeeps. Yeah. Um, That this keeps going even though they're gone. Alan Alda has a great speech about this somewhere in the TV show. It'd have to be later than Trapper leaving because it's after Blake. But anyway, that's something we'll get to in a billion years, Megan. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, (laughs) When we're podcasting in our 70s, we'll talk about Hawkeye's everyone leave. Oh, it's the one where he's declared dead by accident. And he says he's going home. The war just keeps going. Wherever they're coming from, they'll never run out. Which I was really curious about, though, that sentiment at this time. Like, 1970 feels really early for people to be saying, ah, the war never ends. It just fades away. Yeah. Like, that is kind of what happened with Vietnam and American involvement. But did they, did that feeling exist then? I don't know. Yeah, that's a good question. In hindsight, with everything that happened in Vietnam in the 70s, this is a genius ending. Mm-hmm. <laughs> to to have it be like, nope, it just, it just, it ends. There is no ending. There is no conclusion. There is no wrap up. There is no anything. It's mm-hmm. just, and our movie is over. Tonight's movie has been mash. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really confused that this big guy with the hat is an Australian. Yeah, he doesn't really belong, but we love him anyway. (laughs) Carl Gottlieb. (laughs) There's only so much you can do. (laughs) I think it's kind of weird, but it also does match this whole idea that when someone leaves, whoever can comes out and says goodbye, it Mm -hmm. seems like, which we saw when Burns was being driven out of camp. Mm -hmm. It was kind of like everyone just kind of stopped and like watched the Jeep go by. And in this case... They actually like these people, so they're That's waving true, yeah. goodbye. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's interesting that uh, Duke doesn't even look up at Margaret when he drives away. He doesn't even look over at her. Like, she's standing there cheering him on, but he doesn't seem to pay any attention to her. Hmm. You know, as mad as we were that we didn't see Margaret's reaction to Burns leaving, maybe mm-hmm. this is worse. Maybe yeah. you get what you wish for and it isn't what you wanted. <laughs> <laughs> I like to think that maybe he said goodbye to her earlier. Yeah. Private. They had their moment. There was some sort of closure. (laughs) Yeah. He doesn't want to make it more painful. Yeah. Sure. It's like a pup-up moment. (laughs) Yes, that was a pup-up moment. (laughs) You know, actually, that does kind of perfectly fit with what I was going to say of there was a goodbye scene, but I hate to break it to you, Megan. It was probably hella awkward. (laughs) <laughs> um, and completely non-closure. I mean, you, you don't say. I feel, that like, seems, I, I feel cheated by MASH so much. By I feel like the little back and forth between their surgical masks was as much closure as you ever get on that relationship. Yeah. And their goodbye was an awkward, like, okay, but, uh, was have there... a good trip back. Yeah. yeah. Should we make out again? <laughs> yes, I feel like... <laughs> Like, oh, was that the last time? Where really was the last time? Okay. <laughs> do we kiss now? Yeah. Do we have time to have sex again? I don't know. Oh. And that's kind of weird because I know you're thinking about your wife now. Like, exactly. I mean, you probably were before, but I didn't like. I didn't know. have to think about it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's the, uh, yeah. Oh, that it was real bad. <laughs> is, it as bad is, it as, is it as bad when um, Leslie there, like you realize when her and Blake 
after sex when um, Margaret comes in during the whole shower thing that there's pictures of her behind of his Blake's wife behind behind oh, her. Yeah. See, again, Leslie is a Jackie Kennedy. She knows the <laughs> sitch. She is okay with it. Maybe there are things about it she doesn't love, but she is totally like, this oh, is no. what we're doing. I mean, don't get me wrong. Margaret totally signed up for this when she agreed to, you know, be in this type of relationship with Duke, but... I think so, but I don't think... My, again, that eye acting minute makes me think no, no, there were it, more feelings than maybe she oh, expected yeah. to have. And so, yeah, or do they just do a total, like, in the mess tent, like, okay, well, it's been nice knowing you, Captain. Mm-hmm. I could see I could see Margaret going super formal when yeah, she doesn't know too. how to deal yeah. with feelings. Yeah, that's like, true. Like, she shakes Duke's hand, and that's their goodbye. Yeah. yeah. I hate it. <laughs> <laughs> but let's face it, that's probably what happened. Yeah. Yeah. And then I don't like that she's waving. I feel like she should be in a tent mm-hmm. pretending she doesn't care that this is happening. Yeah. Uh, but we do get the have a good trip, sir, from Volmer. So yeah, that. And I love this little, you know, your driver will be here in just a minute. Okay, let's go, driver. <laughs> <laughs> Back to the whistle. Uh-huh. And then we get the the announcement. How do you feel about this announcement? <laughs> is the announcement still diegetic at this point or Isn't that a beautiful question that Robert Altman never answered? <laughs> <laughs> Damn you. I do I do like the pause like over bombs. Yeah. Or he's like la- um or he kind of chuckles like Yeah, yeah. I I like that he is amused by this. Yeah. <laughs> The zany antics of our combat surgeons. Well, I just—I was wondering if, like, they thought the movie might bomb, or like he's like operating his bombs, and he kind of cracks up. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> well, I don't know how David Arkin felt. I oh, is this a David Arkin one? I think so. It sounds like him. But Altman and uh, Ingo Preminger, the producer, were convinced they had a hit on their hands. Mm. They were like, this is going to be huge. This is going to be great. Which I think a lot of the executives thought was pretty rich. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, he always had, Altman always, you know what? I was going to say Altman always had confidence in the movie, but I'm just going to say Altman always had confidence and leave it at that. Yeah, yeah. Which I guess you have to, to become a massive Hollywood director. Yeah. You don't get to that position without a good dose of self-esteem. That's true. (laughs) But yeah, people have been arguing about this ending as long as this movie's existed. Yeah. I definitely saw interviews from like 70s, maybe it was 71, but like from the 70s saying like, that was weird, right? <laughs> like, did anyone else get that? <laughs> like, it's the announcement and it says tonight's movie has been mashed, but like, <laughs> it's the movie we've been watching. <laughs> and then, yeah, because it starts out as a, like, we've heard these movie announcements this entire film. Yeah. And it is exactly the same format. It just is longer. It's amazing. <laughs> yeah, I think it's amazing, too. This is real good. I hope the chuckle is real life. <laughs> Although they probably had him read it a bunch of times. And I like that this is the one they picked, though. Yeah, I do, too. We actually don't see bombs or bullets in this movie, but they're implied. So. Yeah. And for the promo, yeah. 
someone recently shared the Polish mash poster, which I had oh. seen before. Yeah. And I've always appreciated that it makes more sense than the American one, to be fair. <laughs> like, it is more what it that cover, movie is about than the, the bases. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> I have some questions, but it is what mashes. It is right. con- exactly. It's confused about what sports going on. We're confused yeah. about the football game. It works, you know. <laughs> you know, I gotta, I gotta talk to Alex Robinson again and see if I can commission him because I really want to redo the mash poster with some men's legs. I think that was a missed <laughs> opportunity because the peace sign coming out of the legs is brilliant. Yeah. And I get why they're shapely women's legs because sexism. But <laughs> actually, I shouldn't say that because uh, Megan, publish your thesis on Playboy magazine. We'll just do that later. Um, <laughs> but people, you can't you can't be a girl in college in 2006 and hang a mash poster up. Like it's weird. It's a little weird. Yeah. It's weird. So I wanted uh, men's legs going into army boots <laughs> and then the peace sign with the <laughs> army hat hanging off it, which again makes more sense. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I do not have the skills as Megan, who does our designs for our tea public store, can attest. <laughs> you could have tried to brand it as like contemporary art somehow. <laughs> I draw sketches. I mean, I do outlines. <laughs> I mean, sometimes I love contemporary art, and sometimes I'm like, what the hell am I looking at? <laughs> it just makes no sense. From an artistic viewpoint, the MASH movie poster is brilliant. Uh, yeah, it looks great. But. And it's provocative for its time, so it works, right? Like, And for those boom. worried that I embraced my generation, oh, don't worry, it was 2006 and I had up Maverick from Top Gun. So <laughs> I never got over the fact that I was clearly born in the wrong era. <laughs> yeah. I had the MASH movie DVD with me that year. I had not collected all the seasons of the TV show yet. That would come later. Well, they weren't all out yet, yet either, so... Hmm. That would come in time for grad school. That would come time for grad school. <laughs> so that I could make friends with Megan and eventually do a podcast with her <laughs> about the movie Mash. Okay, so if you told me in grad school that we'd be doing this, I'd be like, what? <laughs> My favorite is I have a distinct memory of having what a podcast was explained to me and saying, that sounds stupid. <laughs> oh, really? And now I make them. <laughs> Because I thought they were kind of cool. I was, like, obsessed with podcasts when they first came out. Like, I stopped kind of listening to music for... Well, actually, it's not true, because one of the podcasts I listened to was from CBC Radio 3 in Canada, so there was music, but I was mostly listening to podcasts for a while, and not really the radio. (laughs) It was all a yeah, dude, and stuff like that, and I was like, this is three hours of two guys talking to each other on your phone? (laughs) Whatever. Obviously, I got over it. Yeah, the first one I got into was... Sydney McElroy and Justin McElroy, before they did Sawbones, they did a TV recap show called Something Dish. Because the joke was you go, Sydney, give me that dish. Uh, satellite dish. Satellite dish. And that was the first one that I like liked and looked forward to putting on. It was like, okay, yes, let's let's listen to Satellite Dish. There's a new episode, cool. Which I feel like is so stereotypical. Like, oh, my first podcast <laughs> had a McElroy brother on it. <laughs> but yeah, I didn't 
And I still don't listen to, I've never listened to Serial. Every so often SNL will do a joke about podcasts or or um, Star Wars Minute did one. Like what if Star Wars Minute was about like a true crime in the Star Wars universe? And so I could tell that they're imitating a style of something, but I've never listened to that something. So I don't get it. <laughs> Like, I don't get the joke. Uh And yeah, everyone talked about how brilliant the SNL sketch about podcasts was. And I'm like, that's not what the podcasts I listen to are like at all. (laughs) But I realize I'm the weirdo. Like, most of society is on that side. And I'm over here like... I will accept movies by minutes and some max fun and some crooked media. Thank you. I'm done here. <laughs> what were you into? Did you start with Star Wars Minute or were you already a fan? No, I did listen to like newsy stuff or like I liked book stuff for a long time, um, but nothing. That's right. You are a books on tape aficionado. Yeah. Ooh, nice. So there were lots of like I liked some of the literary podcasts, but I don't remember now what they were. Maybe that's my bias because I can't listen to books on tape, hmm. which I know disappoints you, Megan. I like no, ET. No, I can't no, no, I get it. I tape. get it. All of a sudden, I will realize I have not been listening for 20 minutes or <laughs> I have not been paying attention to what I'm supposedly doing for 20 minutes. Yeah. Like, I cannot, there's no point. <laughs> I'm not going to get anything out of it unless I sit there and just listen. And at that point, I could just read the book. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't have as much time to read the book. So, mm-hmm. but you can listen to them while you're driving, and I never could. Yeah, it has to be a good narrator though, because there's so, if it's a if it's not a good narrator or it's not really a great book, then I like do the same thing where you say like you know it's like oh I just drove for forty five minutes and I have no idea what the heck I was listening <laughs> to or what's yeah. going on. But if it's a good narrator, it's interesting. You you can still drive and pay attention on the road and know what's be pretty much what's going on. And I'm jealous. I would love to be able to do audiobooks because like when you're walking around doing stuff, if you could also be reading, not reading, yeah, that sounds. Perfect. Like, that is the dream. I just can't do it. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's why it's good for me because I don't have a car. So I walk a lot and I'm on like the train or public transit. So it's lots of times where I am sort of doing nothing anyway. Mm-hmm. So it's nice to fill it with a book. Aww. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. There's times where all I want is music and to just rock out in my car. But sometimes, <laughs> <laughs> sometimes I need an audiobook. <laughs> Yeah. Sometimes the EDM is what's going to get me into work in the morning. And other days <laughs> I need a podcast, okay? It's just... Megan, I don't know if you remember, but I'm also one of those people who gets way too into the music I'm listening to. So I have to like strategically oh, no, I plan. Too. Like, I'm going to walk fast now so I can listen to this. Or <laughs> I can't listen to that yet because I will fall on these train tracks or whatever. <laughs> yeah, there's certain music I only listen to at night. And there's certain music I can't listen to on the highway because I will speed. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. wow. Yep. It's like one of my coworkers, one of our pages before we open at the library um, will play music. And he has a very eclectic, wide taste in music, which is great. But one time he had something come on, it like, went from like a Johnny Cash song to like a Britney Spears, something like that extreme. And one of my coworkers is like, God, who can listen to like something with this much bass at like 930 in the morning? And I was like, I wanted to be like, me, that's how I got here this morning. Yes. All the face, yes. Oh. I've always very much enjoyed the scene in Empire Records where they're dancing around getting the store ready to open. That's how oh. I picture you going into work, Megan. <laughs> <laughs> Themes by Queen Saturday is playing. <laughs> it's all good. Long story short, there's a reason Megan and I are friends, even though we don't agree on everything. Boom. Boom. <laughs> Podcast premise cemented. <laughs> 
Well, guys, I, I'm good talking about minute 115 if everyone else is. Yeah, I'm good. Yeah. Do you realize what that means? One minute to go! <laughs> so, Pete, I hope you will rejoin us tomorrow to talk about the last minute of MASH. <laughs> sure. Oh, that's fabulous. And listeners, I hope you will come back tomorrow because if you listen to 115 episodes of this podcast and did not listen to the last one, I might cry. Don't do it. <laughs> Don't do that to me. Come back tomorrow. Oh, my goodness. Make good choices. <laughs>